0: Every second. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. The scenes at uh, Mental Health News Radio Network show. We're here with Matt Pappas. Pappas. Oh, my God. Why do I always say it wrong?
1: Seriously, Kristen? Like, (laughs) I've known you for how long?
0: (laughs) Anyway, you'll say your own name. Uh, With surviving. No. Oh, my God. See, I did it again. Okay. Beyond your past. It used to be surviving now it's beyond and we're going to do another show together which we'll talk about in a little bit but thank you matt for joining us
1: you're very welcome happy to be here
0: and then we have joe Fusaro, uh, also known as joda um who <laughs> does editing of my show thank god and uh also does hysteria radio hey joe
2: hey everyone how you doing
0: we're good it's it's morning and it's too sunny and it's too cold like my fingers are cracking
1: yes it is a balmy 30 something degrees here with a wind chill of like negative 600 so it's
0: yeah yeah yeah
3: yeah it's been
1: cold lately
0: well you guys are way up where are you matt what part of the country
1: oh just uh central pa
0: oh okay okay yeah you guys are up in the cold i'm in virginia so i have no right to complain about anything
2: well, I think you got snow the other day and I didn't. So that's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so what I have, I've got a couple of stories. I thought I'd start with one about our illustrious PR person who also does the outer limits of inner truth, which is Ryan McCormick. Um, Matt, you haven't met Ryan virtually, have you?
1: I don't think so. No.
0: Okay. He is. <laughs> he is such a cool guy. They handle our PR Goldman and McCormick. And uh, they also brought on Dr. Huber. Um, who does uh, mainstream mental health and um, Ryan was sending out emails to different people on the network. And he sent an email out to um, Michael Koch, who does the um, positive connection show. And he's a first responder, former undercover detective. And he talks a lot about addiction and mental health and stuff like that. So Ryan sent in an email and included me on it asking Mike if he would like to interview someone about the trauma that men can have from being circumcised. That's a, that's a real thing. I'm not making fun of it at all. It just, that's, that was interesting. So I was like, why would he send that to Mike? You know, like that doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to fit the whole undercover detective first responder thing. I don't think he was thinking about the audience. So Mike emails him back and says, yeah, if I ever do a show called Positive Reconnections, that'll be a (laughs) great topic." (laughs)
1: i saw that too and and i i kind of like went oh my god ouch and then i was like um sure i mean i honestly to be honest with you i mean for as much as i work with trauma i have yet to cover that topic that is for damn sure um but
0: would you cover it
1: (sighs) i wouldn't be opposed to it but i would need I, i would need a lot more research And information before i would dive into something like that just you know because i mean i'm certainly not denying that it's possible and i mean that experience would give me chills now if i had to go through it as an adult for sure but i would definitely want more information on like uh research and studies to see how potentially traumatic it is i mean long term so
0: Right. Exactly. I, I, and I'll cover anything really. Um, Well, not anything, but you know, I'll cover a lot of things on my show, but uh, probably not the best post for that kind of show. I
2: didn't, I didn't get that email, but I don't know that, you know, that falls into uh, writing and expressive art. So not that I wouldn't cover it if if I had a writer or a musician, that that was their main trauma, but.
0: But They sang about it, played a guitar about reconnecting. Yeah,
2: write a song about it. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) could do a little jingle.
2: I didn't get that email though. Damn.
0: No,
1: yeah. It came to me as like a, uh, uh, like a show suggestion through the comment form on my website. And I'm like, Hmm. Oh, I, yeah.
0: okay. So now I'm I'm putting the pieces together. I had told Ryan, he goes, well, if I want some of the people that I, you know, that come to me to interview, um, you know, how do I get a hold of all the podcasters? And I said, well, I have a list, but you can also go to mhnrnetwork.com, go to shows, and go to each page, and there's a connect
3: uh-huh.
0: to podcasters. Yeah. He went to you that way. Yep. Gotcha. Well, I thought it was funny, the... Quick fire response was awesome. That's how Mike is. So he's, he's afraid to <laughs> well, I mean,
2: that's really going to like the root of trauma, right? That's taking it back right to the beginning and yeah, saying, really like, the the reason, funny. like, everything fell apart. Like, <laughs> from like day three, that's right. what it started.
3: Right. <laughs> oh, my God. You were
1: doomed from the start. Like, there was just no no. Terminal. But I
2: shouldn't make fun of it because I'm sure there's somebody out there in the Twitter sphere somewhere is going to like, you know, blast us for laughing about I'm it.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing about this whole, like when you deal with mental health stuff, if you can't laugh about it, you might as well just pack it in.
3: Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh,
0: yeah. You know, I
1: mean, this shit is so traumatic and it's so difficult to work through that. If you can't sometimes just sit back and and shake your head and be like, oh my God, yeah, then you'll never survive. You just won't.
0: Yeah, absolutely true. I wanted to ask you guys this because I still catch myself thinking that... I should be okay, I should be fine, I shouldn't have issues or, or not issues, but I shouldn't be having a down day or I still am in this sort of mindset of I'm supposed to always be fine. And I'm starting to realize, you know, that that's really unhealthy. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but that's kind of how the world works outside of our bubble of mental health is you're just like, if you say you're not feeling well, people treat you like you have cooties in some ways, I, I'm, except in this field. But I realized that's a tape that goes on in my head, even still that I'm trying to get rid of. Ooh.
2: I mean, I know a lot of people that work in mental health that um, that they're tired and and it's hard to to face these things every single day, day after day. And I, I don't think it's. Um, I think that's perfectly normal for you to, to to feel like you need to be all right, but know that like maybe you need to take a break or like, you know, do something for yourself or or just rest. I, I think that's really important.
0: Yeah. How good are you like Matt? How good are you at just um, resting and not giving yourself grief about resting?
1: Um, I've gotten a lot better at it than I used to be at it. Um, and I know like i know for me early in the week obviously mondays are super busy and then as the week gets on by the time friday's here i'm pretty much brain dead and so fridays i try to not schedule any recordings not schedule any meetings not really do a whole lot other than things i have absolutely have to do so i can kind of give myself a break um you know so i'm i still find myself like if i Pause and rest too long, whatever too long is. I'm like, okay, I need to be doing something. I've got to get up and work on something. But especially, you know, and I I guess I would say I am a lot better than what I used to be, but I still struggle with it from time to time of, you know, okay, how long is long enough to rest now? I should be doing up. Everybody else is going to work. Everybody else is doing something. You know, I shouldn't be taking a half day or a whole day to rest after some, you know, whatever it is. So, I think it's something you probably always struggle with, no matter how long you've been at it, and how um, aware you are of your own limits. You right. still go through those periods where, where where you kind of compare yourself to other people, or or you shame yourself for for taking too much time to rest or do self care, and so it is it's an ongoing struggle. But the more you work at it, the more aware you are of your limits. Um, and you know, what your burnout level is and that kind of stuff. You, you start to realize that after a while, you're like, okay, I've got to stop for a while. And usually when I do, I'll just, I'll, I'll just go quiet. Like, I'll just be like, okay, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna go on Twitter and be like, okay, I'm taking a day off to rest or something like, I I just don't do that. I mean, so I'm like, you know, I do some things. I'm like, okay, my brain hurts. I need to rest. I feel stressed. I'm overworked or I'm overwhelmed. I need to go practice what I preach and go rest for a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like when I'm on my 25th hour of a Netflix series and then I have not moved from the couch, I'm like, maybe this is not healthy.
2: But Maybe maybe the Netflix is better than, you know, just constantly working. And, you know, that's definitely something I noticed, you know, just this week is that I I need to turn it off at like five, six o'clock. Like I need to turn off the phone, turn off the computer and, and just, you know, do what I need to do for me because I found myself, like, I've been scheduling for next year because I'm trying to get better at scheduling. That's always been a problem for me. So I'm like, all right, if I could set up January, February, then, you know, I'll have shows to, like, March, basically. And um, I found myself, like, still emailing at, like, 8 o'clock at night. And then at (gasps)
0: 9. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, look at
2: you. Oh, man, the boss.
0: (laughs) Oh.
3: <laughs> nice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then
2: at nine or ten, like it's hard to to turn off. Like, oh, I, well, I just got off this email. Who do I need to email tomorrow? Like, what dates do I have available? And so I think the hardest thing about like do, doing the show and being self employed and doing other things is just managing my schedule. And it's not that anything I have to do is difficult. Like I enjoy everything that I'm doing but it's knowing I need to be like, you know, here to do this at 10 and then I need to, you know, go do this at the office at one and, and you know, be be kind of, you know, at three different places
3: uh, a day. Numbers. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I think, I think getting a schedule down has been really important for me, not just like for stuff that I do for work and, you know, for organizations and, and, um, but just for life like trying to get on some sort of schedule because i was always kind of like the person that's just like ah you know when i get to that i get to it and sometimes you can't live that way
3: <laughs> yeah
0: it's really good when you're when you have you know mental health struggles which you know the the funny thing is everybody does everyone Yeah. yeah. we just talk about it and you know not everybody has mental illness But they have at some point in their life struggled with their mental health, but everybody has mental health struggles. That's just the way it is. So that, that cracks me up. But us being self-employed is, is healthier for us, I think, right, Matt, that you, you can make your own schedule and all that stuff. It's, it has its challenges. But it's also, it allows me to take the breaks I need to when I feel overwhelmed and whatever and not feel like I'm losing my whole business or I'm going to get fired or because I'm going to fire myself. Um, Take that break. But you have to be able to, um, you have to be self-motivated in order to do what we do. You just have to. That's
1: true. Yeah, you do. I mean, I know for me, like if it's not on my schedule, I don't do it and so i have to be very yeah and and so i, I mean i have to mean i mean i schedule you know running out to run errands or go to the store or something and and i find too that i mean i i schedule too and right now i'm scheduling out into like may of 2019 so if i don't so i'm always kind of aware of 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 being of, of what my schedule says but like like you said chris and the good part is is if there's nothing on my schedule i'm not even worried about anything like I mean, I still may work on something small if I really have nothing to do and I want to do something. But, like, especially, like I said, on, like, Friday afternoons when I don't schedule a whole lot or, or like, on a Saturday, I'm like, I really tried to do nothing, like, you know, at all to just rest my brain. And, I, and that's when I turn on Netflix or, you know, I get on my Kindle and start reading or I just go walk around Best Buy or something just to get out for a little while and, and clear my head and not think about
0: Go podcasting
1: and trauma recovery and everything else.
0: Yeah, where the geeks go to do their window shopping Best
1: Buy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Take me to a Best Buy or like a Cabela's or something and I am I'll be there all day just walking around. I'm like, I won't buy a damn thing, but I will walk around all day and look at that stuff.
0: Yeah, I do that with my son. We go and we salivate and I learn all these amazing things from him. You know, it's funny. I, I can't really, sh- maybe I well, I don't want to mess with my camera, but my son built my podcast computer. Mm-hmm. I, I have a laptop that I take when I go to conferences and whatever, but, it, you know, he wanted to build me a computer. It's a desktop. And I was like, a desktop? I. I don't even know what those look like anymore, but he wanted to do it. So he built this thing. It's in a cube and it's got a water cooling thing for the, it's amazing, amazing. And he wouldn't let me pay for any of it and all that stuff. And um, I had, I had to get high speed internet, a business account for the, where I live because I was using my neighbors. It's on the same property, but the repeater wasn't picking it up. They have a residential account. Like at five o'clock, everything goes You know so it just wasn't working so i had the comcast guys come out and they're probably the same uh age as my son like 28 29 and you know that you've got something cool when that age group looks at what you've got and they're like whoa these guys were staring at it they were looking at they pulled the thing open and you know they were like wow this is a trip they're like can we take a picture of the inside (laughs) So, hey, nerd out! Go go. Nerding com-
1: out on computer stuff, I love it. I do that too.
0: <laughs> yep, yep. There, and they said something about, well, you know a lot about this stuff, but like, and I said, what? I'm old. And he's like, no, no, I didn't mean to say. I said, no, you didn't. He says, well, yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't report you to Comcast for saying I'm old. I promise. <laughs> But um, OK, so I thought what you know we're talking about behind the scenes, I want to ask you guys some questions about, you know, doing podcasting. But I want to give an announcement to the people that are listening about some new shows that we have coming on the network. We've got a show that I'm doing with Matt called The Anxiety Show. I can't even believe that domain was available. Can you believe that?
1: I know. I, know. I figured that it would have been taken a long time good. ago. Yeah.
0: yeah. So bought the domain. We're going to do that one together. And I, we have no like big plan Um, but that one's going to be really cool because man, that is something that I really, uh, you know, I have to do a lot of self-care to not have that be a part of my regular daily experience. We're doing one called Tales from the Grift, which is, um, going to be just survivors sharing stories of, you know, their dealings with manipulative people. So it's, it's pure, come on, you can say your name or not and just share your story. So that one's going to be exciting. And then we had one launched called the animal effect with a guy that I thought would be a great host, but you know, not, sometimes people flake and he did. So, uh, but I really want to do a show about animals and their impact on mental health. So I'm going to do that show until the right host comes along. And, um, and there's, pl- there's a lot of other ones. Like, uh, I do a show every week with Dr. John Huber called mental mental health perspectives. And we just do a half an hour talk. It's hosted by Ryan, the circumcision guy. I'm going to call him half that from now on. And, uh, <laughs> every, every that's
1: month. what he's forever known as now. Thanks a lot.
0: <laughs> he's going to get a kick out of that. Trust <laughs> me, Ryan's sense of humor. We, he will call me and we will go just about business. Oh, I only need five minutes. Cause he's very like, and then we will go off for an hour and it's not me doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs>
0: but anyway, so he, um, he hosts it and we talk about kind of current events and how they affect mental health. And I'm sort of coming from the patient perspective. And then Dr. Huber, who's a fr- forensic psychologist talks about it, you know, from his perspective and, It does really well. People really like that show. Um, Dr. Huber's also a comedian, so that helps. So we're taking that off of um, his show and making it its own show. And um, so I'm doing a lot more podcasting next year, which kind of scares me because I overwork anyway. But then I'm sort of restructuring my time because the thing that I love to do the most is talk. <laughs> big surprise Soccer. and I love the chemistry the hit that you get talking with other people so um so I I don't like all the admin stuff that comes with it and Matt you understand this and Joe you probably do too you know especially you Matt because we both have the IT background when you're mm-hmm. somebody that knows how to do everything really Oh man, it's, it's like you get sucked into, well, I'll just take care of that. I'll just handle that. I'll do my website and this and that. And then I'll end up with my arm, literally this hand, like, you know, that's not healthy either. So I'm restructuring things so that we can do the shows, do them live, um, have an intro pre recorded that's uploaded already. So we don't have to do the back and forth with you, Joe, you know, that kind of thing. Not because I don't appreciate the editing i absolutely do yeah, it, it's sort of like i don't want to have to click yeah. here and go there and all that so we're, we're trying that for 2019 anyway
3: yeah that's awesome
0: so yeah. how, about, how about you guys in terms of um you know what what could you say to listeners that are going to watch this because it's going to be on youtube also about when you become a full-time Podcaster, or at least a part-time podcaster, especially in the sea of everybody's podcasting now. So, Joe, I'll start with you.
3: Okay, uh,
2: <laughs> just pick a topic that you one enjoy doing um, and one that you're passionate about, and just do it. And uh, recently, you know, at work, somebody asked me, or, or they told me that. They had tried a podcast for their business, and like their numbers didn't, you know, spike the way that they wanted. And I just told them, I was like, "But did you meet like cool people? Did you make good connections? Like, gotten?
3: Thank you, Joe.
2: Not other work, but like, have you learned about other organizations, businesses that you know might you might all be able to help each other in the future?" And And I think that that more than anything, like, like there's this rush right nowadays, right. To get like a billion followers and that means success, but, um, success is a, it's a long road and it's, uh, it's often a slow road and often that's like the safer way to go about it. than have a billion people for a year or two and then they lose interest in you and they're gone. Like I feel like I've strengthened my foundation with the podcast and, um, and then, you know, now there'll be years of, you know, business relationships and friendships ahead that I wouldn't have had without the show. And, and you know, just the people like the CEOs and the, you know, the writers and the musicians that I've got to meet. Like, I feel like I've built a bond with them through having the podcast rather than just having like business conversations over the phone or quick conversations after a, you know, uh, convention or conference or something like that. You get to go... Like an hour-long conversation, like that's kind of a lost art. I'm hoping this year to even do like one and a half, two, maybe three hours. Because I feel like you really get into some deep topics
3: as you get longer you talk.
0: That's awesome. I love that, Joe. Oh, my God. This is why every day I'm like, I need to call Joe, which I refrain because he has a life. But I'm like, I need a hit of, each other.
3: <laughs>
2: <much> of <laughs> I've got a little life. <laughs> I wouldn't give you that much credit.
0: <laughs> well, I do. Thankfully, I do call you and go, do you have time? And I am calling to rant because I'm, no, yeah. I'm
3: Yeah,
0: because I'm OK with you going. You know what person? I mean, anybody, of course, I'm OK. You don't need my permission. But I really am like, OK, with somebody saying. I just can't right now. And I don't take it personally because yes. I get it, you know.
2: I respect that because I, oftentimes I'll get a call and as soon as I pick up, it's like ah, my life is falling apart for like an hour. And I'm like, I have so many things to do. It's not that I don't want to help you through this.
3: Right. But like,
2: I can't even, like once I get off the phone it's hard for me to concentrate on just getting my life together because I still have anxiety and I still have bipolar. so. Like I really appreciate that you do give me that option.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Matt, how about you?
1: Well, I mean, there's lots of things when you when you get into podcasting. I mean one I mean, the stuff I guess one one of the biggest things that you get caught up in is
0: You're seasoned at it. That's the thing too. I want to make sure listeners know that you've been doing this a long time.
1: Yes, I have. Yeah. I've been, I started out doing sports podcasting probably seven or eight years ago. And now I've been doing the mental health stuff for like two and a half years. But one of the biggest things is don't get caught up in having to have like the perfect show right off the bat. Don't get caught up. I have to buy an expensive mic and these big headphones and this gigantic ass computer. I mean, when I first started my first show, or first recording with the mental health stuff. um, I mean, I went to Best Buy and got myself a $25 Logitech headset with a boom mic. And I had audacity. And I just said, okay, here I go. I'm going to talk. And I just sat there and talked. And then, um, you know, I went on and bought some really cheap uh, royalty-free music. And I'm just like, I'm just going to talk for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And, And, you know, of course, looking back, at the way that the the audio and the production is now versus then, I'm like, oh, my God, it's so bad. But <laughs> those shows two and a half years ago still get a lot of traffic. People still listen to them. And, yeah. you know, like, I mean, my music's changed. Uh, you know, they sound clear now, all that kind of stuff. But the message is still there. So it's not about you have to have some kind of perfect setup. I mean, that can come in time. You know, you, you as you feel like you learn podcasting, you like it something you want to invest in then yeah maybe you go out and you buy yourself a new mic you get some good headphones whatever that kind of stuff but start out just have a good topic share what's on your mind share what's on your heart and just see where it goes and like literally have fun with it don't be afraid to laugh at yourself don't be you know don't don't get in this thing of it has to be perfect you have to edit yourself into oblivion (laughs) um you know i mean make it just a natural fun podcast people connect with authenticity and Right. Just being yourself and your unique tone and your unique mannerisms and and your vernacular and the way you you know approach life and that's yeah. what builds a following you know it's not that your your setup sounds as good as somebody who who literally has a billion followers who's like on a national platform
0: right who's on you know YouTube,
1: it's all us radio. quote unquote little guys who are making a difference, and right. you know you won't get lots of followers right away. I mean, because people have to find you, you know, you have to get out on iTunes and Google podcasts and Spreaker and everywhere else and and get time and share and, you know, pre- and, um, uh, do your own promoting, yeah. but in time you'll get there. And the connections you make along the way, like Joe said, are huge. Like they're just yeah. because, you know, a couple of year. years, like I get people who reach out to me when they've been on the show a year ago and ask if they want to come back yeah. because they enjoyed it. And so when you get that kind of stuff, when you get those those connections and then two, when you want to, to collaborate with somebody and expand your reach, those people will be more apt to help you because they've already you've already helped them. Right. You know, they already trust you. You've already got a rapport and now they'll be more willing to share your stuff or come on the show or whatever it is you want to do. So
0: well, that too. And I think um, like, I, I got an email. I'm going to pull it up here. So sorry, everyone that's watching. But um, I got an email from Ryan McCormick and I thought this was so cool. He's such a positive Guy, too, um, to be around, but he interviewed um, Phil Boyce. Okay. And Phil is the senior vice president of Salem Communications. He oversees 1,700 radio stations and he's considered a legendary program director. Um, he's a passionate conservative. So, of course, I listen to none of his shows. <laughs> he discovered Sean Hannity. He thinks Rush Limbaugh is the greatest radio person ever. You know, clearly, I don't agree with these things. However, Um, it was interesting to read Ryan's interview with this person who, you know, has been doing radio forever. And, um, and he talked about, you know, how the digital market is changing and terrestrial radio stations are not, you know, what they, what they used to be. It's kind of like when Amazon came in and took over publishing. So um, he asked him, Ryan asked um, Phil, Mm Phil, What are three things that you pick up on when you first when, when first listening to a radio host to determine if they're going to be successful. And when I read the answers, I kind of went, Ooh, but then I remembered and Ryan reminded me, we talk about mental health. So our shows are different. We're not a political pundit, pundit or whatever. So the, the first one was the most important thing I listened for is are they teaching me something I want to learn about an important topic Or are they doing a show focused on themselves and assuming listeners are into every waking, into their every waking moment? Okay. Number two was the second thing I listened for is related to the first. Are they able to take a complicated issue and break it down in a way that makes me understand and makes me want to pump my fist in agreement? Or are they saying what I was already thinking? Listeners want affirmation that they are not the crazy ones on the planet. Well, we certainly help with that with the shows that we do. Um, (laughs) The third thing is formatics. Do they set up a topic with a brilliant monologue? Do they tease around the break and want to make me come back? Do they give me the sense that this is the most fun a human being can have and they're having it? Is it a team show? And if it is, do they have that elusive chemistry, camaraderie and rapport? So I liked reading that, knowing that with number one, the one that kind of was a little bit of a gut thing was it's okay that we do talk and share more about ourselves because we are talking about mental health and something that, you know, is part of what we do is in order to get our guests to feel comfortable sharing their stories, sometimes we have to share our stories again and again and again to help the guest say what they're going to say. So.
1: Well, you definitely have to share your story multiple times, Um, uh, you know, and sometimes when you have a guest on, you know, and you have to remember, too, just because you bring a guest on that's very knowledgeable about a particular topic, they don't know you necessarily or your story. So you end up telling something that you sound that you kind of think is redundant because you've told a million times, but they haven't heard it or their listeners haven't heard it. And so, you know, and so you can't be afraid, uh, you know, to mention something, you know, about yourself that as as it relates to the topic to help keep the conversation going or whatever, multiple times, or, you know, lots of times or almost every week, depending on who you're talking to, because, you know, when you bring on somebody new to the show who they've they've not heard of you before, or you don't really have a rapport, they have their own audience that isn't part of you. So they have to get to know you. And then that initial uh, interaction that conversation, the way that you present the show on social media, all of it says a lot about who you are. And then that will hopefully draw them in to want to learn more, to subscribe, to be a part of what you want to do. Maybe they have people they want to, you know, reach out to. So yes, you do have to be very willing to share parts of your story or life or whatever it is many, many, many times.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Joe, what do you think about that?
1: I heard
2: the three parts and then you cut out when you asked him the question, so can you just repeat your question at the <laughs> end? Like the last 30 seconds, she goes to Matt because I didn't hear any of that. It was,
0: <laughs> it was just what you think about that, um, about what he said. I think we do two and three very well. Uh, in fact, that we're very varied in the topics that we all cover. I'm thinking yeah. of this in terms of the network as a whole, also. Um, but the piece about, you know, sharing more of yourself, he's saying, you know, don't do that because nobody cares what you had for breakfast as a host. You're just supposed to be an empty vessel, that you know, whatever, but you also have to have a big personality, but with what we talk about, it is important for us to share our story and to insert ourselves into it.
2: Well, I, I mean, I think that's the box that works for him, you know, and, uh, you know he might have billions of people, but I think of it like in terms of music, you know, like for pop music for so long, all that mattered was like if you had those people's you know praise on like the you know um uh, you know America's what are those shows the music shows
0: yeah the,
3: like
2: the-, the voice and America right. got music or whatever. <laughs> For all those shows, that shows how much I care. (laughs) Well, they want everyone in that auditorium to like fit in this box because this is how you make it and this is how you're successful. And then what happens three to 10 years down the road, those people fall off and like you never hear about them again. Or they, you know, they have self-esteem issues or they have, you know, a mental health condition or something. You know, a lot of them contemplating like suicide and stuff because they were taught that like you had to fit in this box. And like most of my favorite artists are like on the indie rock scene and they just kind of stayed true to who they were. And they keep doing shows with like a hundred to a thousand people a night, rather than doing these shows with like 50, 60,000 people there and they do it for 25 plus years and they build a small fan base. Well, not small, it's huge, but you know, in comparison to like what they do for like these these TV shows where they get like 50,000 people in a room and they sell out for three years and then it's over. These people are playing in front of like, you know, a hundred to a thousand people three or four nights a week for the rest of their lives. And I'd much rather do that than have like three years of success and then
3: uh, struggle.
0: You're done. Oh yeah. I agree. I also think too, too much of a spotlight too quickly um, makes me nervous because then all of a sudden every dust in the corner, you know, something you said on a show from two years ago. Paparazzi following yeah. you
3: around? Like, are you yeah. kidding?
0: Who yeah, not? I have two friends that are celebrities. They they're celebrities enough to have paparazzi, right? And um, and they we talk. You know, we have our private, very private, private conversations, but um, you know that they. And they're grateful about their life but they um they really struggle with mental health stuff because of the lack of privacy the projections of other people onto them um i have one um dr paul meyer who i can say his name but he he's well known in his circles i mean he's on the white house council for mental health and he's been on oprah many times and new york times best-selling author blah 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 blah, and um he experienced the oprah effect where he went on our show as the psychiatrist, you know, giving advice, and he was on many times, and then he gave the name of his book, and all of a sudden, it reaches number one, and he's being asked to speak all over the world, and, um, you know, he he said that that was a really, I'm grateful that it happened, but it was really, uh, to be that public was really something that was very, very, very challenging, you know? (laughs)
1: Well, yeah, and I think, yeah, and I mean, especially when you go from not really being in the public eye and nobody knows who you are, and all of a sudden everybody knows who you are. I mean, it's it's got to be extremely unsettling, and I think, you know, for when you're first starting out, um, you know, having that time to kind of develop your craft and hone your craft and, and, and get your mission mission going and kind of figure things out before people start to really discover you, that's like... I'm kind of glad that my show has gone that direction of, you know, when I first started doing podcasting with a buddy of mine and and we would, we would just come on and, and talk for like 30 minutes about football. And we had no idea what the hell we were doing, but we were just talking about football and we knew it. And, you know, we learned over time, uh, you know, about podcasting and things that we could do to improve ourselves. But those early shows that early time of trying to figure out your mission and what you want to do, That's a good learning experience um, because, you know, like I said, you know, that, that stuff helps you figure out who you are and who you want to be. And like the mission you want to put out online, I guess is, is kind of it. And, but then, you know, if you do have the opportunity or the, or you're fortunate enough or whatever to be able to like, you know, kind of go from virtually unknown to, Oh my God, everybody knows me. It's gotta be, and I can't relate. So I don't know, but it's gotta be incredibly difficult to be in the spotlight where everybody's picking you apart when, you know, a month ago, no, no, nobody even knew your name.
0: Right. Or you had, or you had a small group of people that have listened to you every day. I mean, I, I do shows every day, Matt, you and I are like neck and neck in terms of like how, when we started the year that we started, how we started, and the volume that goes out, mm-hmm. you know, we, 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 were about at the same pace. And um, I found, I mean, Everybody, every human being on the planet is annoying if you have to deal with them every single day. Right. I mean, that's just, we all have our quirks and whatever. And because listeners have been with me for so long and they've heard me say stupid things, um, be closed minded, all the things that we are as human beings, they've heard my tics, my quirks, whatever. And they still, They love me or care about me past my irritating things as a human being, you know, those people are like the ones that you really um, care about because they love you through your flaws and they still listen, they still tune in they still find, you know, what you're doing interesting. I love that core group. I can't imagine, like when I looked at, um, I think it was Selena Gomez has... Two hundred million followers on Instagram, and I don't know this this woman. I don't, you know, say anything negative about about her. But I'm like,
3: Better not <laughs> two hundred <laughs> million. <laughs> <200
0: laughs> million people. <laughs> I'm like, how does that happen? I mean, how and why? It's... I mean, I wish that the Dalai Lama had that kind of. And I'm not saying she's bad yeah. because of that at all. She didn't no, try yeah, to make that happen. I know this from my friends who have.
2: It's scary. It's, it's actually kind of scary if you yeah. think about the whole concept. It's um, it's too much. I think it's too much weight for for one person to have to carry. To one thing to be an influence, but to be you know 200 million people's everything, and their day goes according to how your day goes. And That's your
0: lipstick and your. every
2: yeah yeah it's i mean i'm sure it's cool for about a day and then you start getting like the strange emails and the people that need you to be well and you know people that are asking for money and i'm sure it's just on a daily basis you just have to shut everyone out and just like you know hang out with like your family and a couple close friends i'm sure and and everything else is just
3: on the internet
0: one of (laughs) my one of my the one of my friends that is um in that culture she said you know kristen people worship celebrity so much and even some celebrities absolutely are part of that narcissistic bubble and they worship it too and then others did not ask for that they don't want anything to do with that that's not why they they became an artist and um she said to me you know some of the best ones out there um the reason why they're so good at, in terms of acting is because they are empty vessels. And I didn't quite get what she meant. And she's like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's nothing going on in here. So they can be really good at being an empty vessel.
2: Yeah. That's, I think that's to some extent, but <laughs> I think a lot of them have also been through serious pain and trauma. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, but that's why they could do it so well on screen. Cause mm-hmm. yeah there are some people that act that I'm just like, Oh man, like, where's this going? Like, you know, Oh "Oh my God, this, Oh my God, that, and like dramatic. But then there are people, you know, that just, um, that just amaze me because, you know, I I can tell watching their movies that they've been through something like, um, like Jim Carrey is one that I like to watch because you yeah. see his transformation from when he was like the funny guy into like when he did like this string of really serious movies about like, you know, that have like schizophrenic tendencies yeah. and polar tendencies. And like, you know that he understands that mindset. So
3: it's, uh, yeah, I think it's like one or the other.
0: Yeah, and there it's it's a culture that's its own narcissistic bubble that even the people in it many of them really don't like it. And they don't, my friends contemplate all the time. If I get any more popular, I just have to not do any work for two years because I don't, I can't take it. It eats my yeah. soul. And I thought, huh, that's an interesting thing to have to navigate. I mean, it's tough to hide
2: once you're, once you're out there.
0: Right. Exactly.
2: Better to hide now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So I got Matt,
2: The rest of the day.
3: After the show. Right.
0: Exactly. So Matt, with the with the length of time that you've done your show, have you I'm sure you've had plenty of people that come in and you're like, oh, OK, I shouldn't have let that one in. Um, have you dealt with or how how do you deal with uh, the ones that you realize that that person that's communicating with you that listens to you avidly isn't really in a healthy space and not healthy for you to have personal communication with?
1: Well, I think you have to battle through, like, especially early on, you have to battle through that, that, that desire to kind of get your show off the ground and get a lot of episodes out there and get some big names on your show and, and try and get the exposure, um, at the cost of, you know, compromising your values or your show's integrity or your show's, message whatever it is so yeah you will get people who um, you know want to come on your show and talk about something that you you know you either disagree with or you don't want to cover or whatever and they I mean they may have very good intentions or they may be just trying to use you to get you know listeners to sell their book or something or whatever it is so I think you just have to be very careful like and set those boundaries from the get-go is you know my show is going to be about. X, Y, and Z. And, and, you know, you know, give yourself permission to tell somebody no and be like, yeah. you know, hey, you know, I mean that, then that's a difficult thing, especially <laughs> when somebody seeks you out and they start, Oh, I love your show. So-and-so said it's so great. I'd love to come on and talk about my book and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm, awesome. and, and so initially you're and like, okay, great. Yeah.
0: But now I'm, I'm, I'm interjecting this. I'm sorry, but you know, what's trippy is they've listened to you and they know all this stuff about you because you talk on your show and you don't know anything about them. Mm -hmm. That is so weird for me. Sometimes I'm like, Oh,
1: yeah, it, yeah, it is weird. And you just have to kind of, you know, it's hard to say no, especially early on when you're trying to get a show off the ground and get people to notice you and get your listens. And, you know, maybe if you're working towards a sponsorship or whatever, but in the long run, setting those boundaries early will help you, later on when you do get more followers and, and people seeking you out to come on your show and you're like, okay, you know, I, you learn to be okay with saying no and not feel bad about it. And then, you know, you may tell somebody, you know, thanks but no thanks in a very polite way and they may send you a hate mail like, who the hell are you? Oh, and a Yeah, yeah. And, and you, know, you know, they'll make you feel okay. guilty and oh, you're missing out. I'm like, well, you know what? I might be missing out, but my show was about A, B, and C and you're talking about X, Y, and Z and, and it, it's, it's not it, it's not, not a good dynamic. Go. Yeah. And ultimately, you're right. It is your show, your voice, your brand, your topic. And if you don't want to have somebody on, the reason is ultimately doesn't matter to them. It's just you can say no and walk away and and that's it. But that's hard, especially in the beginning. It's still hard now, too, because, you know, somebody who is nationally known and has been on tons of podcasts or whatever, and and they want to come on your show. You're like, oh, I feel so honored. But if their message isn't in line with what you have, then you end up kind of get, you know, uh, uh, potentially confusing your listeners. You know, well, Matt always talks about this, but now he's interviewing somebody about this, and well, what's he really about? And oh my God, he's lying! And you know, like, and then then you end up in like a world of trying to, you know, justify yourself to other people, and it it gets to be a mess. So it's easier to easier, I should say, whatever. I think it's it's better in the beginning to learn how to say no.
0: Absolutely, I take it to the show. I mean, Joe, you said to me the other day you're chill or what? You said a bunch of complimentary things. And then you said, um, but I wouldn't ever want to mess with you. (laughs) 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 And it's not like I haven't heard that before, but, um, yeah, I, have heard that for sure. Um, but I'm kind of like, you know, I'm okay with that now. It means I have good boundaries for someone that grew up with two parents that don't know what a boundary freaking is and in sick ways. Um, so I am like a boundary. What's that? Walking around wide open everywhere my whole life wondering why do I have all these toxic people, you know, and why am I, you know, toxic as well? Um, so for me to get to that point where people go, yeah, we respect you. We, You're a nice person. And I would not want to do something to you because I will talk about um, I think that's okay. It's hard. It's hard earned. Not that I go around hurting people because I don't say names, but I bring it to the show. I will bring it to the show and talk about a situation that's uncomfortable. And if it's, if that person listens, which I doubt, they probably know that, that I'm referencing what just happened. You know?
2: Boundaries is the best thing that I learned in 2018. And, um, I feel like I have more energy now. I feel like I'm enjoying what I do more. Mm -hmm. And um, in return, like my family and friends are enjoying me more because like I was always letting something on the outside, like get the best of me before. And I'd use up all my good energy for something that was like somebody else's passion or somebody else's job that they needed to get done. Because I felt like I had to like help everybody else, but like, you know, I wasn't helping myself ever. And, and if there's one thing I learned, it was how to say no this year. And um, somehow by saying no, my life has gotten better. Wow. <laughs> and, there's, and there's more good in my life for me being able to say no. And, and as far as the show goes, um, you know, I just feel like it's not that I don't want to have these random people on that email me but i feel like when i've already when i already know a little bit of the person's work when they come on or we've already had conversations before whether it's through an organization or a you know an art conference a music conference or something like we already have that common bond going in so the conversation tends to be a lot better with somebody that we already have that common thing Whereas if I just start letting people come in to talk about what they do, it turns into an infomercial and um, it it just feels uncomfortable. I think for everybody and people are really good at seeing through that these days and um, doesn't feel right for me. And I wouldn't want to put that on my listeners. Like, don't get me wrong. When I have guests on that, I know like I let them talk about their product because that's how they got, you know, whether it's the book, the music, something that they created. That's how they got to where they are, and it's part of their story. But I would never want somebody to come on and have it just be about, like, you know, this is what I did, this is what I did by this, and oh, that's yeah. where, when it's somebody I don't know, I feel like it it often turns into that, and it's happened a couple times, but never really like bad
3: yet. So
0: yeah, I yeah, I've had every possible bad thing that could happen, but I've been doing this a long time too, so. <laughs> and and loose boundaries and all kinds of stuff that were totally on me um that i'm now like no um but yeah it's a it's definitely a, a learning curve i've got a, a quick story about this but i want to Matt you know you've got something you wanted to add to what joe was saying
1: well yeah i mean it is yeah i mean learning to say no setting boundaries is huge and you know not just in podcasting in all parts of your life you know when you can and, you know, I mean, and when you learn to set boundaries, perhaps in your in your daily life that can transfer over to your to your podcast and vice versa. So it is it is a like a a kind of kind of a ripple effect throughout your whole life is learning how to say no and not be afraid and not feel bad about it. And like what Joe was saying about people coming on just to sell their product and stuff, I mean. I find, too, that when I when I bring a guest on, like, I don't just bring them on and not learn something about them. You know, we, we email back and forth several times. I look at their website. I might buy their book or, or watch a video or whatever they have just so I can get an idea of who they are, what they sound like, what their personality is a little bit, whatever I can find out. So it's not quite just this this kind of, uh, you know, cold interview thing. Like, I, I can't stand podcasts that are just Q&A. Well, hi. How are you? I'm great. What do you sell? I sell this. Well, that's great. You know, like I mean, that kind of shit drives me nuts because I'm like, well, that's just boring. Like, I want, on I, I want a conversation where when I come on, you know, you send me five to seven questions, but we might get to two of them because we just went off on this tangent over here about something related to your topic, or maybe not. But it took us down a road that was a conversation that people feel like they're a part of, not just me making sure that I got through seven questions you wanted me to ask you. Right. So you know, be having developing that rapport is absolutely huge. And then of course, at the end, I always am respectful of if they have a product or a website or social media, well, Hey, you know, give us, you know, tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Always do that. You know? And then for me, something I do, which a lot of people don't do is most of the time I give them the last word. Like I don't say thanks for listening. See you next week. I'm just like, they're talking blah, blah, blah. And we're done. So the last word they hear you know, the listeners here is them because like the listeners know me, they know, you know, they've got my intro, they've got my outro. There might be a mid roll in there on some shows, which I don't do anymore, but you know, you've got the show notes. So like, I like to feature the guest as much as I can and give them the last word. And then, you know, as, as soon as they're done, it goes right into the outro. So okay. that's something that I do that I find works for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but it's a way to have a, a, a nice organic conversation and then give them a chance to kind of pitch their stuff. And then, and then it's over. So
0: Yeah, I might, I might do that. Um, I might do that too. I like that. Just that I always feel like I have to um, say something. Yeah.
1: I, I used know. to be like that, and now I'm like, no, I, I just don't do it. Well, yeah.
2: you usually, Kristen, you usually give them the last word, and then you just say, "We'll see you next time." It's not yeah. like you know.
0: That's right. I don't need to do it. my my issue. No, was, you,
3: it's fine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you I don't, don't do. know
3: because
0: <laughs> do anyone would want to, but um, you know what I. What I notice I do, I mean, because I still get nervous sometimes doing a show. Especially, I get nervous when I'm doing the series that I do because I know that that co-host is paying to be on the show. I want it to be a good experience for them. I'm aware of their listeners uh, tuning in may not think I'm all that great, but they're tuning in to hear them. So I can I get too verbose, which is an issue anyway, but. Um, I I can do that in the intro. And then I'm like, oh my God, okay, whatever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's an ongoing learning experience. You know, I mean, just when you think you've got it down, you end up changing something. So,
0: yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, what I want to do with this for the listeners that are going to be tuning in is um, the reason why I want to do the behind the scenes is it's a way to, you know, make the listeners be a part of the. experience more than just listening, which is fantastic listening, please keep listening. But um, I, I want to kind of demystify this podcast world and also the world of uh, chasing what we get told is success. Right. That's, so, that's such a separation from being a person that wakes up every day. And goes through this slog. Sometimes it is a slog called being a human being. And since our whole network is about authentic, real life and conversations and struggles and so on, I thought, well, let's, um, let's have a show where we really talk about what it is to do what we do every day. And, you know, it'll, we'll have different people on each time. Um, We're using get vocal J I'm sorry, G E T V O K L has um, been gracious enough to give us a platform and have us host the mental health platform. So we're going to use it and it allows listeners to come in. And if you want to chat with us during shows, um, you can do that. If you want to be on camera, you can, you know, do that too. Although we may have to kick you out if it gets a little weird, but, um, but I just felt like this is a, an interesting medium and a really safe place to have a good online connection because I don't think Facebook and Twitter and even YouTube can be very safe. And this feels like it's in enough of a container um, of safety that we can have a really good interactive, um, you know, meeting about this.
1: I'm down with it. I think it's, I think it's a great idea. I think it's cool to talk not only about podcasting and, but about the whole mental health side of it. So
3: yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to be cool. And plus, you know, I'm not on camera all that often, so it's all good.
0: Let's do that for the next one. Let's, for the next show, let's talk about how doing your podcast, having a podcast has affected your mental health. Hmm.
1: Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Cause I'll I'll have to sit and think about that. Hmm. How has it, it's been good and in other ways it's had been
1: quite a challenge.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So cool. Okay, well, thank you, gentlemen. Matt, I want to talk to you after if you have time. Because oh I, man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> oh, it, no, Joe, no,
1: if you don't hear from me in about an hour, please send like, like you know, in
0: the, field. the SWAT team
1: Should and
2: we the dogs. Stay
3: in this room. Should we <laughs> stay in this chat room? We like-
0: can't. I can stop the broadcast and we could stay. Absolutely, it's an idea that came through <laughs> with doing the show. So, listeners, you maybe you'll hear about it later, and maybe you won't. But uh, we will catch you next time.
1: Be surprised when I don't hate on you. Girl. After all, we promised we'd be
3: So
0: Sometimes in you, oh, I, I can't fight it. it. Good boy.